people on the internet. Uh, I'm your host today, Peter Karutz, and this is Father Cashin Kenneman. Oh, I did it almost correctly. And Father has just written a book called The Grace of, oh, I'm sorry, The Grace of Nothingness. So Father has been able to write a book about nothing that has lasted about 163 pages. Actually, it's relating to the uh, spiritual life of a blessed. His name is Columba Mermian. Marmion. Marmion. Well, video gets the bad pronunciation, the radio will get the good pronunciation. So we're about to start, we'll get quiet, and we'll resume just here in about 40 seconds. Welcome to the St. Joseph Radio Presents live program, broadcasting to you from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. The program that for over 30 years has brought you eloquent speakers from across the globe to help explain, clarify, and evangelize the Catholic faith. Our program covers a variety of topics relating to current issues and occurrences in our daily lives. Now, with the aid of technology, we are able to bring the gospel message to the four corners of the world, where Christ himself did say, those who have ears ought to hear. It is our hope at St. Joseph Radio that through these programs, we can help evangelize the world and change one soul at a time. Now, here is your host to introduce today's guest and topic. Well, thank you, Matt. I am your host today, Peter Karutz. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents, coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri. Actually, it isn't quite live today, uh, live on tape. And we are here with Father Cashin Kahneman. Hi, Father. Who are you? Hey, Peter. Thank you for having me on. And thank you for being here. Today's program is called Nothingness. Actually, it uh, has to do with Father's book that he just wrote. It's called The Grace of Nothingness. Father, why are you writing a book about nothing? Yeah, well, I, I'm writing a book about grace. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> so, yeah, the real focus of the book is about how to receive grace as best as possible and uh, following the footsteps of the saints in uh, an expression that they use to do so, and that's the I am nothing. Uh-huh. Well, and they say that quite a bit. And, and uh, one of your uh, brother monks uh, gave me a good way of looking at that uh, in terms of spirituality. When, when saints seem to become holier, they seem to recognize the greatness of God more. And he, he, I think he equates it to a um, being close to a building versus being far away. You know, far away, the building looks about that big. But the closer you get to the building and the more insignificant you look, maybe the more nothing you look. Whenever God draws close, and you can think of the great moments in the Bible when we have this expression, you know, people are going to feel small in compared to that kind of unbounded majesty. Yeah. Right? And in a sense, maybe this term for the saints is 
uh, a way of venting that feeling, right? You know, the, he holds my being in existence and he's redeemed me and he's the one that's going to give me, uh, you know, his life in heaven and his life here below as far as sanctification. And I, it's kind of a bit overwhelming. My next breath is dependent upon his will. That's pretty big. <laughs> Well, let me talk about something else that's pretty big, Father. Since you're here and you came in uniform, we always start with a prayer. And so that I get to keep my job, would you please start start us off with a prayer? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, and work through Peter and through me. Uh, help us to be your instruments so that we can have the conversation you want us to have. Um, be with all those present with us through the internet and through the radio. Um, Just anoint this moment together so that we can receive the gifts you want to receive at this time. We are nothing without you, and we count on you for all these graces. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Well, Father, I want people to get to know you a little bit. Uh, I mean, I've met you before, uh, and you are uh, a priest. You are actually in a religious order. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're a Benedictine. Mm -hmm. And... um, you're at the St. Louis Priory, or is that, that's not really the official name. Tell me, I always get that wrong. Tell me the official name, Father. Yes, around St. Louis, we're definitely known by our high school, which is St. Louis Priory High School. Uh, But in reality, it is St. Louis Abbey. So first and foremost, uh, we're a Benedictine Abbey of monks who also run a school and run a parish. Uh, And I'm fortunate to be a part of that group. Not only a part of it, but you are the prior I'm also fortunate to be the prior of that group. So yes, there's a there's an abbot uh, who's in charge of the abbey, and then uh, if you think of a ship like a navy ship, you have the captain, that's the abbot, and you have the first officer. Uh, the prior is the first officer. I learned a little bit about abbeys and uh, priories uh, through a, one of my f- favorite books. Uh, I don't know if you've ever read it. It's called Pillars of the Earth. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite books, but one of the things I, I think I remember from that book is that the, uh, not the prior, but the abbot has almost bishop-like authority. In fact, doesn't can't the bishop wear a mitre? The abbot, yes, the abbot actually has uh, full juridical authority in in his jurisdiction. In our case, it's a very small 150 acres of jurisdiction. <laughs> uh, I suppose back in the medieval times, it would have been much larger jurisdiction. Um, the bishop still has all the rights of Catholicity in St. Louis and also of public worship in St. Louis, and so they overlap in certain ways. But yes, he he is the prelate of our little our little area and and carries those privileges, which is very very cool. And it is a wonderful, beautiful church. If you haven't been there, please please go and visit. So let me uh, just first off mention this blessed, who I'm not going to pronounce correctly, but I'll pronounce it, and Father will correct me. It's called Columba Mirmian. Marmion. Marmion. Who is this man? So Blessed Columba uh, is, was an Irishman. He grew up in Ireland and eventually became a diocesan seminarian, went off to Rome and studied, became a professor of dogmatic theology, uh, but then felt the call to become a Benedictine. And Uh, eventually lands in Meridsu, Belgium. That's the name of his abbey in Belgium. 
And uh, his mother had been French, so he did have that French-speaking side to his family. And uh, grew up, though, as a kind of a outsider, I would say, in the Meritsu Abbey of a, you know, a bunch of um, Belgian monks. And not a not a, not somebody I've heard about very much. How how did you find out about him? How did you tend to study his spirituality? Well, it's interesting. I didn't actually set out to study his spirituality at all. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So I was in Rome getting a license in spiritual theology, and I was obsessed with reading the greats of the spiritual tradition. And uh, Cardinal Burke kept prompting me to read Marmion because he said that Marmion has all these uh, phrases and, and thoughts that are very similar to my greatest interests, and notably in this, this area of I am nothing. And uh, he prompted me over and over again, and I never took up the prompt. And then eventually, he went out and bought a book and put it in my hands and said, please read this. So that was book. a hint, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> And thanks be to God, because he he's a wonderful synthesis of all the things that I love to, to read. And he's Benedictine, uh, and he's the most recent Benedictine to be raised to the altars. You know, he's only a blessed, and hopefully one day we'll get him up to full saint, sainthood. Um, but in that sense, he is our most recent guy. Yeah, so how, when did he become a blessed? Recently, I guess? So I'm not entirely certain of when that happened. He died in 1923. I had a very large influence at his time. You know, he yeah. was he was read the world over. Uh, massive influence, had big influence on Mother Teresa, for example. That's amazing. Yeah, no, no, she she almost put him into the the original uh, documents of the missionaries of charity. That was how big that she really thought of him, and she talks about him, writes about him, and, and writes about him, and on this topic. So he influenced her on this topic as well. Um, but known the world over, and I think, unfortunately, kind of faded in certain areas of the church, faded after the council. Uh, in certain areas, the church still read very widely today. I, all of his books are still in print, um, so well appreciated. And you're saying he's quoted a, a great deal. Do you, do you have a couple of tidbits for us, Father? Sure. I have a, a beautiful one. Uh, that has to do with our topic. And this one comes from spiritual direction, uh, but it's just a gorgeous little piece of writing as well. It's just very rich. And he writes to his, his spiritual directee, Oh, my dear child, I would wish to engrave on your heart in letters of gold this truth, that no matter how great our misery, we are infinitely rich in Jesus Christ. If we unite with him, if we lean on him if we realize constantly by a firm living faith that all the value of our prayer and of all that we do comes from his merits in us. And all this is contained in two texts. Without me, you can do nothing, John fifteen five, And I can do all things in him who strengthens me, Philippians four thirteen. Wow, that was good. Isn't that gorgeous? That line, uh, of uh, engraving your heart in letters of gold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How that speaks to just our richness as um, beloved sons and daughters in Christ and that spiritual adoption, you know, that adopted child of, it's just fantastic. Yeah, no, that's, that, that's great. You know, there are so many great saints, but how we, how we can benefit from just a, a paragraph is amazing, isn't it? So one of the things that um, you said you were in Rome and you had a, uh, a, a 
is it a degree or a, a license in spiritual theology? So my, my specialty is spiritual theology. What is spiritual theology? Yeah. It's a relatively new specialty in the church. It, it only started in the mid-20th century. We specialize in the science of the saints. We specialize in everything that has to do with holiness and growing in holiness and growing in grace and uh, all that, how that means as far as spiritual direction or as far as uh, prayer and everything that has to do with the interior life. And we're going to talk a little bit about that, but before we do, you said the science of the saints. Yeah. What do you mean by that, Father? Well, I mean, they, they, have, they have let Jesus live in them again in the fullness, right? Uh, and the church has put them forth for us to emulate in that regard. And, and so we have to kind of trace the, 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 way, the paths that they've taken. And, and this is a, a science that actually just groups together the best uh, of what the saints offer, the commonalities that they offer for, for the path, and then also tries to find the best uh, advice for certain aspects of the path and when to use those, uh, those pieces of advice from, from the greats. Yeah, well, and that's why as Catholics we have saints in some, in some respects, and that is so that we could uh, look at their lives as an example and how we might follow them and improve our own um, spiritual life. Uh, I was about to say another word, which I will now, perhaps improve our interior lives. I'll confess to you, Father, this is still a concept that I'm, I'm trying to appreciate more. Years ago, and I've done this a couple of times, I've, we've invited um, religious women, sisters who are uh, at various stages, novices, apostolates, and whatnot, to come in and talk. And the first time I did this was during Lent. And... I asked them, what is different about Lent now in the convent as opposed to Lent before you came? Mm. And they all ran around the same answer, which I'm still basically, basically trying to appreciate, and that is they talked about the interior life, how that changed the interior life. Help, help me and, and some of our listeners who probably are as less uh, in tune with that uh, as, as I am perhaps. What do we mean by the interior life, and how do we develop it? Wonderful. So I actually have two answers for you. First, oh, it's just a context, which is going to be wonderful. Yeah. But second, you've actually touched upon something that's very deep in the writings of Blessed Columba. Uh. Uh, and actually, I think that was a little moment of the spirit there, because I don't think you and I would, would have discussed that in the, in the past. So the first, the context. So let's think of an adult convert, right? So in an adult convert's way of life, you have, uh, they first encounter God, like what we would consider the scriptures, and generally speaking, that's going to be the objective divine plan. And I think that divine plan, uh, it can be crystallized into one little phrase, which is the First Thessalonians 4, 3b, uh, this is the will of God, your sanctification. Marmion's so good about unpacking that, that if God's willing us to be holy, he's constantly working on it and reworking on it and reworking on it, and we can take that to the bank. Like, that is objective, and that is the whole purpose of what we call the economy of salvation. Um, so some people study the Bible. They're, they're, you know, exegetes. Some people study the next step of that adult uh, convert who, who thinks about God's ways. And so we talk about apologetics, we talk about dogmatics, uh, but just that general thinking about God and God's ways. Uh, again, those are specialties that are well known in the church. 
the adult convert will then choose to take a, to enter the church. Baptism, the sacramental life of the church, all the graces that come from those lives. Uh, we can think of the adult convert again choosing uh, to have kind of behavioral conformity to Christ and, you know, live it out throughout the week, the week and not just show up to church and think that God only has to do with Sundays. Uh, so how do you let Jesus live in you throughout the week? And, but then also, there is that interior life, and that interior life is how do I respond to all this interiorly? How do I respond to God in prayer? How do I respond to God in how I choose to live life? Like, what's the big meaning of my life? What what do I think of as the meaning of my life? Um, and also, uh, how do I respond to God in interior humility and and in, in confidence, like like a deep trust in Him, uh, which is is going to permeate everything that I do. Uh, this is St. Joseph Radio Presents coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri. Well, not quite live this time, uh, but it will be next time. I'm your host, Peter Karutz, and I'm here with Father Cashin. Father, um, the interior life then is how I respond to God's will. God's will, but that relationship with God as well. I mean, if we think about prayer for a second, uh, let's just say that's Lexio Divina for okay. a second. Uh, you open up the, the Bible so as to listen to God, right? And we all know how to talk at God, but how do I'm very we, good at that. Yes, we're very good at telling I God. I tell what. him what I need, how I need it, when I need it. Uh, it it's a. Uh, that is all very important, you know, <laughs> but but the, the listening to God and God's word and letting that really speak to our hearts, and then also just that notion of just being there with God and, and you know, sit, sitting with God. I encourage people to have a coffee with God uh, and not have any agenda, like just see what God's agenda could be for that time. I um, had a, a friend who I hadn't heard from in, since I was in grade school called up, and uh, he, he came over, and we actually sat down and had a cup of coffee. Um, he was a great friend of mine when I was a, a kid in eighth grade and seventh grade, and I, uh, I'm, I'm 60 now. I hadn't seen him in all that time, but it was so good to get together with him. You know, we, he, we, we didn't have a purpose other than just to spend time with each other. Um, is that what you're talking about, Father? Just hang out? Just... I, I'm. I mean, when I think about hanging out with God, I'm usually praying. I'm, I'm saying the rosary, or I'm, um, I guess, Lexio. I do Lexio, too. But when you say have a coffee with God, uh, I, tell me more about that. Well, okay. I'll, um, well, I'll walk you through it, I suppose, real quick. I'll yeah. Do this. Uh, so, you know, in the morning in my meditation, for example, I'll, um, I'll say, okay, Father— Look after me. Um, take care of me, because I, I know I'm your beloved son. I know that you cherish me. I cherish you. But I really need you to look after me. I need you to take care of me. And in particular, if something's bothering me, you know, I'm going to say, I need you to be a father to me in this radio interview this afternoon. I'm kind of you know, nervous about how that goes. Or I need you to be a father to me in this meeting that's coming up that could be kind of contentious or kind of difficult. Uh, or there's this person out there that's hurting, and I need to find the right words to help that person. I need you to be a father to me in that too. And then ultimately, dear dear Lord, I just need you to be a father to me in growing in our own relationship and, and towards union with you. 
And then in that sense, I can kind of hand over those generic concerns, not generic, but real pressing concerns that I have. And then I'm ready to just be like, okay, I've, I've given to God what I need to give. And I'm ready to just sit here with him for a while. Uh, and for me, a, a type of prayer I'll say is just God and God and God. Just sit there for a while and be with him. Um, and, and again, without much of an agenda of what needs to happen at that point. So I'm getting it all off my chest, putting it all on his shoulders, and then just being quiet with him. It's, it's, it can be very impactful, actually. Yeah. Give yeah. him the space. Give him the space in the scriptures to speak to you, too. Yeah. I mean, if, if, if you get distracted, pick up the scriptures and let them speak to you. Let him speak to you, the word of God, straight into your heart for today. Let those spe- scriptures speak about today. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I, I, we talked about this before, but I, I, I had a spiritual director who suggested that my prayer was a bit too organized and rote and, and more of a task list than it should be. And, and, and it tends to be because that's who I am, you know. But he had suggested I, I start having an extra bit of adoration, 15, 20 minutes, and just do nothing and listen and just hang out with God. But isn't that what we do with our friends, Father? When we want to – why do we go and just hang out with our friends or have a coffee with them? Because we, we enjoy their company and we want to get to know them better. And I guess that's – God's our friend too. Yes, and, and Marmion Marmion uh, writes about what's generically called the practice of the presence of God. I mean, Brother Lawrence of the Resurrection has that classic work on that title, which is only about 40 pages long, and I highly recommend it to anyone who hasn't read it. Um, but Marmion takes it a step further, and he reflects on Christ and his mysteries. And this is what, getting to that second aspect of what I was going to talk about. He says the fundamental mystery for Christ was that he always lived in the presence of the Father. Now, for Jesus, that meant um, the the beatific vision. You know, he always saw the Father, and so there was that deep. When we're talking about presence uh, for Jesus, you know, being having to, so to speak, coffee with the Father. You know, he drew he drew apart to go be with the Father and, and to to just be with him in that sense. And for us. He says that, you know, we don't get the beatific vision, but we can practice the presence of God just not as a one way down of kind of sunbathing with God, which is just a wonderful way of doing it in itself. But notionally, like I I am trying to be here present to the Father, despite the fact that there is this veil between us, but there is this relationship that can be grown. Uh, and grown, I think, primarily from the heart, like not, you know, often we want to do it by the mind. Uh, often we oh, want to yeah. we research God, Absolutely. do things for yeah. God. Now, this is more about letting that, that heart talk with God. Years ago, um, I think it was the second program I did, probably six years ago, it was called um, Finding uh, the Spiritual Path, right? And, and, and it was more individually. How, how do you find your spiritual path? And we had callers. And one guy called in. I'm, I wonder if he went to a Benedictine Abbey. He, he called in and he, he said he was having a terrible time with prayer. And in fact, he was, he'd fallen away from the church. He, but for whatever reason, he, 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 in, in his troubledness, he winds up at uh, a monastery. And he wind up, winds up talking to this particular monk and describing this total lack of ability to pray and have communication with God and how he left the church. And uh, so the, the monk suggested to him that he take five minutes and walk in this, on the grounds, in the, 
I don't know if it was a garden or grounds, one or the other. He says, well, what do you want me to do? He says, no, just, just be quiet. Just, just go out there and walk. He came back 45 minutes later. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he had been talking too much. Mm-hmm. He, he said he wasn't praying or whatever, but he was just flat talking yeah. too much. You can't hear what God has to say if you're the one holding court. Yeah. And, and then getting back to your question about Lent. So yes, I'm circling Lent, back. Please. Right? So, you know, the interior is where we choose the meaning of our interactions. So one, if you're just talking about that conversation with a friend with a, a cup of coffee, right? Um, we can add that layer of seeing Christ in the person. That's very Benedictine. It's called incarnational spirituality, like seeing Christ in Peter right now. And, Ooh, and, 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 that's and ex- tough sometimes. And experiencing Christ as Peter or experiencing, you know, St. Saint Teresa of Calcutta, the uh, seeing Christ in the poor, seeing Christ in the person that needs your time and attention right now, right? So your buddy may be going through something really hard, and you were thinking, I wasn't scheduling two hours to sit down and talk about let's say, his marriage or whatever, but I'm going to do it. Like, this is what my buddy needs, right? That's one level. Getting back to the Lent, um, you know, Marmion also teaches in Christ and His Mysteries that we re-experience Christ's mysteries. We re-experience all of his life, the richness of it and also the difficulties of it. And in Lent, there's that moment that we all have, and it's not necessarily just those things we give up, but there's some moment in Lent where we really do have a certain dying to self or sacrifice to be made. Um, and and it tends to be later towards Lent and that passion tide where the, God really does ask us to take that next step with him in maybe uh, relinquishing control or, you know, letting him take the, the lead or forgiving someone. You know, there are all these different ways that uh, we do, in a sense, die to Christ, die to self from time to time, just as Christ did, in little ways. But he, he thinks it's very liturgical for him as well. Like, there are moments of that, and one of those moments is Lent, and there are also moments for joy, and one of those moments is Christmas, mm-hmm. you know? And so, but he says, really enter into that spirituality of seeing how Christ is working at that moment, uh, or in the different moments of our lives. You said something a moment ago. You said um, seeing Christ in another person mm-hmm. is it a benedicting spirituality, or is that uh, uh, is that uh, this blessed spirituality? Seeing Christ in another person. So that's very Benedictine. So Saint Benedict um, exhorts his monks to see Christ in the abbot, see Christ in the guest, see Christ in the uh, infirm. Right. So, but it's meant to just remind us. Those are just moments in which that we're supposed to be growing a practice that we apply to everyone, right? But those are just moments. Well, the everyone is what I was getting at. Sometimes it's a bit difficult to see Christ in those people who are not necessarily very nice to you. You you said that uh, this blessed um, Marmion. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, I'm, I'm going to get it sooner or later. Blessed Marmion was a influence on Mother Teresa, mm-hmm. and uh, I heard this story about Mother Teresa, but it's given me new perspective listening to what you're saying. She was confronted by a woman, uh, and, you know, Mother Teresa's little itty-bitty thing, right? This is a very large, tall woman, and and clearly a woman who was living a life that was um, uh, not respectable in, in terms of what she assumed that Mother Teresa would think. And she was actually yelling at Mother Teresa and saying, you you are judging me. You're judging me. And Mother Teresa, in her calm, cool, 
uh, calmness, just said, no, I'm not. And, and the lady insisted, you're judging me. And, and Mother Teresa said, I, I can't. I, I can't be judging you. I'm loving you. And if I'm judging you, it gets in the way of me loving you. And it, it seems so much like Marmion. Mm-hmm. Um, so Mother Teresa is influenced by this great saint. I think he might be someone that we might all be influenced by. So the name of the book is The Grace of Nothingness, and I think the focus here is The Grace. Mm-hmm. And we're here with Father Cash. And my name is Peter Karutz. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri. We're going to take a little two-minute break. If you can, call a friend, tell them what we're talking about here, and have them join in. We'll see you in about two minutes. Looking for a way to teach your children about our Catholic faith? Colby Academy has the solution. Offering a curriculum that is loyal to the magisterium, classical, Ignatian, flexible, and affordable, Colby can help with all your homeschooling needs. We offer a wide range of services, including live online courses for those looking for assistance teaching their students, recorded self-paced courses for those who want teacher instruction while needing the flexibility to move at their own pace, and traditional homeschool courses for maximum flexibility in home education. Our support services include advising for parents, record keeping and transcript services, a grading service, standardized testing, and guidance and college counseling. For more information, check out their website at colby.org. That's K-O-L-B-E dot org. Or give them a call. Area code 707-255-6499. That's 707-255-6499. It's Colby Academy. St. Joseph Catholic Radio is proud to announce the launch of SJEN-TV, the St. Joseph Evangelization Network. SJEN-TV is a premier online Catholic broadcasting network providing quality Catholic programming 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. We have programming such as live studio interviews, St. Joe's Java speaker presentations, current Catholic issues, and the Pro-Life series. We're featuring the many talented speakers out of Orange County, California, and this Archdiocese of St. Louis, Missouri including Professor John Gresham, Father James Mason, Karen Nokemper, Rick Hollerick, Bill Federer, and many more. To review the program list, go to sjen.tv or on Roku, sjen.tv. All this programming is free, and we are welcoming sponsorship of new programs. Find out more at sjen.tv. Welcome back to St. Joseph Radio Presents, coming to you from St. Louis, Missouri, and we are not quite live today, but I'm your host, Peter Karutz. I'm here with Father Cashin, who is the prior of the St. Louis Abbey. I said it right that time. Hey, I'd just like to remind everybody that uh, the St. Joseph Evangelization Network is, again, accepting applications for Catholic Man of the Year. Uh, That will be held on June 26th this coming year, here in 2022, uh, applications must be received by May 21st. So please, look, if you know someone who is deserving of being recognized as the Catholic Man of the Year, give us a ring at 636-447-6000 or see us on the website at saintjoseph.net and we will be happy to send you a application. But remember, 
if you consult this person who you think should be nominated for Catholic Man of the Year and they don't want to be nominated, that just probably shows he should be nominated. I think that's probably common amongst all the people who are nominated. They virtually refuse to put their name forward. But look, we need more good men in the church. And one good way of inspiring men is to see other good men and what they do. So please, consider making an application, finding somebody who is deserving of this and putting out an application. 636-447-6000. And that same number you can use to uh, get Father's book, The Grace of Nothingness, or a copy of this program or any other program. Father, I was looking at the table of contents in your book, and you have a couple of subtitles. So in chapter two, we have a few. It says, uh, some of the primary thoughts from Blessed Columba. Hmm. It says, nothingness and aid to humility with regard to God. Second one, nothingness and aid to humility with regard to yourself. Nothingness and aid to humility with regard to others. Somehow I think humility has something to do with this spirituality. <laughs> it does indeed. So... Um Basically, uh, the greatest interior resistance we have to God, I, I believe, is uh, is self-reliance of some sort. And, and it's very practical. You know, we, we often just say to God, like, I've got this right now. You know, I, I've got this mastered. I don't really need you in this interaction at this moment. And, and that's not so helpful because I think God wants to you know, be with us at all times and walk with us at all times. And... Uh, the humility there is to say, no, I'm, I'm always dependent upon God, you know, and all that really beautiful aspects of my life come, you know, uniquely from him working through me. And, and that's what I really want at all times. Uh, and, and so this this disposition of humility is meant to open us to that grace. Uh, as As a way of explaining that, I think that grace is always trying to get through to us at the greatest amount. I mean, I think if God's willing our sanctification, he's He's constantly giving us what we need. In particular, Marmion writes that at every Mass, we have all the graces we need to be holy. And, and how humbling is that if we didn't happen to wake, wake up as saints this morning, Peter, right? Yeah. So maybe we're putting a few obstacles to that process, some of them uh, you know, perhaps unhelpful habits in our life, but also some of them are interior, and, and one of those is the self-reliance. So, and I'm, you've said it, and I'm going to ask you to say it again, that every Mass, there's enough grace for us to find holiness, to become a saint. Is yeah. that really what you meant? That's what, Mar- that's what Marmion wrote, yeah. And, and I think it's, I mean, if you think about it as the um, the representation of of the graces of the the passion death and resurrection of Jesus I mean they that that must have enough grace it has to yeah no I, I hadn't I hadn't thought about that so we you know we we talk about grace from a Catholic perspective a little bit different than Protestants do mm-hmm. um, I remember I was at a one of my companies uh, uh, retreats and somebody wanted a definition of grace and I kind of gave the Catholic definition mm-hmm. you know it's it's that that uh, uh, strength that we get from God to do what His what He is intending us to do, and of course the Protestant had a completely different definition, right? It was the uh, undeserved free love, which is true too. But what I think about grace, the way I think about grace, is uh, the way you're making me think about it is like being in a in a thunderstorm, in a torrential rain, and I've got. Uh, 
I've got my uh, Colombian jacket on with my hood, and I've got my boots. I got an umbrella, and I'm as dry as a bone, right? I mean, it is raining to beat the band, but I'm making sure I stay dry. So when you're saying about putting up obstacles, God gives us grace freely to us, but we still have to accept it. We do, and... You know, I dare say that if we push your analogy all the way forward, uh, God wants union with us, and we need to allow him, in a sense, to take the lead in disrobing us. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm sorry. Like, you went there. No, no, that's it. But, uh, but, you know, he wants that full intimacy with us, and and we need to just allow him to, to, you know, prepare us for it. And... And sometimes we're too often getting in the way by the little things we're trying to give him. You know, there's this notion that we are so desperate to give God a gift. We're so desperate to say, here's, I've done something for you. And and what he almost really wants us to do is to to come, as St. Therese says, with empty hands, ready to receive the gift, you know? And and then if we're not trying so hard to, to like, give him something, we're, we're more disposed to actually receive what he's trying to do at that moment. That doesn't mean that we're just purely passive, but the, it does mean that taking a time to, to be intentionally open and passive, the way we kind of discussed earlier, uh, is, is very important. And that that is a reversal, in a sense, for a lot of people. I, I love your definition of grace of God operating through us, working through us. And I tend to use the little phrase, heals, transforms, and perfects us. Mm-hmm. You know, it really gets to that notion of all that he wants to operate in us. He really wants to heal us. He really wants us to even come to the fullness of what it means to relive Jesus's life in each of our unique ways. Uh, and that gets to that transformation, that perfection. I'm about to articulate a little bit of circular logic, but I know you're going to help me through this, Father. Um, and I think you said it, uh, we, we chatted a little bit earlier here. That, that all the good that we do, the source is really God and his grace. And what if we're always concentrating on what it is we can give to God, it really is anything good we can give to God is really sourced by the grace that God gave us. I know that's a bit of circular logic, but that's okay, right? It's not circular logic at all. For those really, you know, meritorious, I mean, that's too technical of a word, those those actions in our life that are really kind of uh, heavenly or, or, you know, in that level of, of action in our life, God has initiated, sustained, and perfected it. Like, he, he's, he's done it all through us, and we've cooperated, and we should be honest about the fact that we cooperated, too. It's uh, okay. Yeah, that is absolutely yeah. okay. I mean, if you're going to say, God did this through me, that's wonderful, yeah. right? You know, it would be a, a terrible lie if I said, you know, years into this already of saying, oh, but I don't know if I could actually teach eighth graders the New Testament. I mean, what a joke, right? I mean, yes, by God's grace, I want the help to do it every <laughs> single time, but it is rather astounding in my life that I at least know how to plan these lessons out and, and attend to the children and find the ways of reaching them with the stories. And that's a it's, that's just being grateful, right? You know, I, I, I can do this, thank you, by God's grace, and, and to, and to be, have some false sense of humility there would be a bit of a rejection of the gift that God gave you. Right. And, and I think all too often, you know, getting back to your notion of how this relates us to God, okay, we're dependent on Him, but with ourselves— 
it's finding that natural dignity, right? It's finding that ability to love ourselves and, and advocate for ourselves, our needs and all, all that we need, um, and, and recognizing ourselves as beloved daughters and sons of God and all that richness, um, but yet in, in a way that says, yes, and I am dependent upon you. And in fact, if I really want to ennoble my life as much as possible with your traits and with your graces, it, it is by being open to you at all times. Um, and, and that's the self piece. And the reason people kind of are scared in this area is they're worried about that, that, that third piece of with the other person, right? Like they were, they were worried, like if I follow this like humility thing, I'm, I'm going to be bullied all day long, mm-hmm. right? You know, and I'm, I'm not going to just be a doormat for people. But that's, that's not what God's calling to us at all. He wants to ennoble your life and, and, and really, that, that does involve sacrifice, but it involves sacrifices that look a lot more like the sacrifices parents make on behalf of children, on their children, or, or for each other. Um, and even, yes, in certain instances, the types of sacrifices that the saints make, again, you know, reliving Christ's passion or whatever, suffering on behalf of the church and offering it up, but in a way that's really ennobling of like a Saint Therese, right? You know, doing that with joy and doing that on behalf of others, um, that that can be a, just an amazing life. Uh, it's not necessarily something where you don't advocate for yourself. You have to have that that dignity, that self first, uh, and then act at, from that place. Yeah, and the humility can have... Uh, it- can have a a component, no more than a component, a great degree of strength to it. You know, I, you know, we we uh, know that famous scripture where our Lord says, you know, if someone slaps you in the right side of the cheek, give them give them your left. And and it it, it it's become so common that we think of it as uh, as 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 humility. Uh, it's not. Imagine yourself. I, I mean, when I was a boy. We were kind of silly. <laughs> when I was a boy, we used to play this game when I was in grade school, and um, we would, you know, bear our arm to our buddy, and they would punch you in the shoulder, and then you would go to the other guy, and you'd punch him back, and whoever gave first was, you know, the loser. But think about that in the context of turning the cheek. Mm-hmm. Think of the strength that there would be in, you know, standing there and doing it again and saying, that's that's all, you know, that's okay. It didn't change my dignity, right? The second slap. It didn't change, it, you know, as my mom would say in Spanish, it, you didn't lose your name, right? It's strength. In humility, there can be great strength. Yeah, indeed. I mean, if you think, again, think here of forgiving someone, right? And, right. And, that and takes strength. It does. It really does. And the reason people hold back is because they think, well, an injustice has been done to me. Um, and, and it's so hard to dis- to detach that, that process of justice from the process of forgiveness, which is a different process, right? And, and you forgiving is about your own interior freedom, your own peace of mind and everything. Later, if there's a chance for justice, that's a whole different a whole different process, a whole different time. Uh, and it's a very similar thing that um, people are hesitant about, let's just say, generally being merciful in life because they're, they're too caught up into that, like, oh, but I'm going to lose something. Well, but can't that something be be regained in grace? Like, won't grace win in the end? This is talking about true, the transformation of, kind of that true trust of, like, I am 
a beloved son of God. There is a path for me no matter what. And and I don't really appreciate the fact that you just gave me a smack across the face, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to smack you back because I don't actually think that's the right step right at this moment. It also doesn't mean you have to be my best friend, right? Yeah, yeah that's, that's true. I, I, I can remember a time or two, which I'll tell you about another day, where I, 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 I stood toe-to-toe with a guy and I just wanted him to take a breath so I could smack him straight in the face. But what, what you're really making me think about is what you said earlier, and this is not a right-hand turn. I, I think it's what you're saying, Father. One of the Benedictine... Uh, spiritualities is to see Christ in the other person. But seeing Christ in the person who has done you wrong is a bit disarming. It can be very disarming. And and I got a quote that talks to a little bit of this and actually ties some of our conversation together in, I think, a providential way. And I'm going to let you say that quote as soon as I let everybody know that this is St. Joseph Radio Presents coming to you not quite live from St. Louis, Missouri. I'm your host, Peter Karutz, and I'm with Father Casson, who is the prior over at the St. Louis Abbey. And he wrote the book, The Grace of Nothingness, and it, uh, it has to do with the spiritual life of Blessed Columba Marmion, almost. Tell me your quote, Father. <laughs> is another be- he's, he's asked to be nice to me. He's a priest. This is another beautiful one. Um, be a monument of his mercy for all eternity. Just like, just right there, like that's so transformative. Just right there, like again, we try. And there's another quote that I'll go with right before Please. I finish that one. We he says we ought not to strive to dazzle God by our perfection, but rather to draw down His mercy by the confession of our weakness. It's very Theresian right there. But anyway, going back to the main one, be a monument of His mercy for all eternity. The greater the wretchedness and the unworthiness, the greater and more adorable his mercy. Abyssus abyssum invocat, abyss calls upon abyss. The abyss of our wretchedness invokes the abyss of his mercy. It is an immense consolation for me to see that you are traveling by this road, which is so sure, which leads to such heights, and which glorifies the precious blood of Jesus Christ and the mercy of God. It is the way I have chosen to. Help me by your prayers. This this notion of, you know, rather than trying to become even great monuments on behalf of God, again, trying to give God something, right? Um, and, and it's often very noble things we want to give him. Um, you know, man of the year, right? Yeah, there you go. How, how wonderful is that? Uh, and and uh, But also just seeing that reversal of how do I live mercy each day? And then how do, if you will still catch the grace of each day, if you're trying to live and find your own unique path towards a, a great blessing and probably being the fullness of yourself, uh, and even overcoming all those, those difficulties, if you see that it's God's grace that completes us, uh, and, and therefore we don't have to do the dazzling, as he says. We don't have to do the completing. We have to receive the completion and, and pass it on. While we're grateful for whatever grace God has given us to do, whatever good that we have done, what I, what I heard you saying is that, uh, I hope I'm not missing this, that God is, uh, wants us to give us our weakness mm. and give us our wretchedness, mm-hmm. I guess 
those are the only things that God didn't give us. <laughs> so, so I mean, this is this is uh, profound in Marmion as well. That you know, we all come incomplete to God. Uh-huh. You know, if you really think about it, like we strive so hard to not come incomplete to yeah, God, right. but in the ultimate thing is, we're all going to come incomplete to God. And those instances where people kind of prompt incompleteness in our life. Yeah. Right. Right. right? Oh, yeah. There's the things we're kind of upset about. Like I was going to be more complete with God if you didn't do that Mess to me. me. Right. Yeah. Exactly. But, but if we start to see that it's, it's really the blood of Christ, as in this quote, um, I like to say the sacred heart, uh, is what completes us when we go to God. And, and uh, there's a real simple little trick that I have for that. If you, if you got Please. a second. For oh, it. we got plenty of time. So, um, I find that that traditional prayer for daily neglects is so beautiful. So I say my examine at night, and then I finish with the prayer daily neglects, um, which is, you know, I offer you the sacred heart of Jesus for all the uh, sins I've committed this day and during all my life. And I say a little glory be um, to perfect all the good I've done badly this day and during all my life, a little glory be. And third, to minister for all the good I ought to have done this day and during all my life, and a glory be. And that covers it all, doesn't it? It like, sure does. I, I can go to sleep where I can even meet God with that sacred heart supply it in that kind yeah, of way. Yeah. And then it, it, I think with that mentality, it is easier to, to live as a monument of God's mercy. You know? Yeah. Well, you've given him the credit for what he has done in our life, and we've asked him for the grace to help us um, do better where we should have done better. Or, I mean, it covers everything. The neglect, the positive, um, and it gives credit to the source of all the good that we've done, too. And so turning to what you're saying, that wretched, that feeling of wretchedness, yeah. that feeling of unworthiness, that yeah. feeling, the things that really make us scared, or that feeling of our nothingness, right? Right. But if I don't have to come to God as this perfect monument of a saint, I could actually, you know, just receive more even in my brokenness, even in my, you know, day-to-day foibles. You know, and uh, just changing the perspective, changing the aspect, um, y- you think, why, why would God be so happy with me in my incompleteness, my weakness, my failure? I, I, I think of who I am as a father, and I've remembered my daughters who have been in, in a particular crisis, if you will. Uh, my, my oldest daughter had a uh, car accident in a, in a snowstorm, just blinding snowstorm. And um, fortunately, based on technology, I, she told me where she was. I, I got out of bed in a, in, a, in a rush and had my wife figure out where she was. And I threw my contacts in and I'm off in the car to go, to go get her. And the, the car was in a ditch and she didn't have a coat on and it was blinding. Uh, a blinding snowstorm, but the first thing I did is I wrapped her up, mm. I put her in my coat, and I hugged her. I didn't have a care about how she got there. Mm. I just wanted her close to me. That's got to be the way God is with us mm. in our brokenness. All He wants to do is wrap us up, bring them, bring, bring them, bring us close to Him, because He is our Father. You know, he, he loves me and us infinitely more than I could ever love my child. 
God's ready for us in our brokenness. And what a beautiful re-expression that is of the parable of the good father, right? You know, we call it the parable of the prodigal son all too often. But, you know, I, I work in, in healing and deliverance, and one of the fundamental things that people often need help with is that identity as a beloved son or daughter. But that, and also that image of God, right? That yeah. notion of that's the type of father that we're looking for, that we're, we're really responding to. And that simple passage of God constantly constantly wills your sanctification, I mean, that's kind of the type of thing that you can hang your hat on and trust, you know, yeah. on a day-to-day Count basis. On. But it's that Father that's behind it, right? right. You know, and and that's there replanning it as much as possible. We've heard the parable a thousand times. The last time I heard it at Mass, I heard it differently, and uh, 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 it was the same words. They're all the same words, but I, I heard it differently. I, I hope I'm not misremembering, Father, but. I think it said that when the boy was a long way off, the father ran mm-hmm. to him. Mm-hmm. Man, you just got to give God half a chance and show a willingness. He's running to you. Uh, yeah, prodigal son, I think yeah, I like it much better, Father, the, the good father. The good father. But also, I mean, we weren't, I wasn't planning on talking about this, but think about the, the brother. He's not, he, he's not being a monument of God's mercy. <laughs> not, not, not much. <laughs> Maybe he's trying to be complete. as He's that earnest, good man, right? He's trying to do good things for the Father. Yeah. But he's missing something at that exact moment, and he's not really trusting at that exact moment that there's something for him in all this, too. That's right. That's right. And all the good that he's doing is because of the generosity of his Father, and yeah. he's taking credit for it himself. Father, we have a few more minutes. You got one more quote for us? Sure. I got another one, so... Uh, Yeah, let's take a look at this one. What then can prevent us from becoming saints? If on the day of the last judgment, God asks us, why have you not reached the heights of your vocation? Why have you not attained the holiness to which I was calling you? We shall not be able to reply, Lord, my weakness was too great. The difficulties were insurmountable. The trials beyond my strength. God would reply to us, on your own, it is but too true that you could do nothing. But I have given you my son. In him you have lacked nothing of what was necessary for you. His grace is all-powerful, and through him you could have united yourself to the very source of life. Just again, that notion, I mean, it's so challenging again this uh, this is a high bar right you know this notion of that if god's actually trying to make me a saint and all the graces are there at mass ooh, then that question of why cash it aren't you there it it is it's it is intimidating but if i'm trying to win it on my own i'm not going to get very far that's the whole point of the the response he has here Um, can't do it on our own can't do it on our own no absolutely not so. And it, and it is a Saturday afternoon, both today and when we uh, mm-hmm. air this. Uh, it might, I mean, that passage just reminded me that perhaps we shouldn't wait until we're perfect before we go to confession. <laughs> God's waiting for us in our brokenness. He he knows what we've done already, and he he's just ready to run and meet us. Right, and and then just let the mercy carry us, and let the grace carry us. That's the the key. Yeah. Well, the book is. The Grace of Nothingness. This is Father Cashin, the prior over at St. Louis Abbey. Uh, I recommend it. You can uh, get it on Amazon or you can get it here at 636-447-6000. Remember to nominate a good Catholic man of the year. And remember, if they moan and groan and don't want to be nominated, nominate them anyway. Father, thank you for coming and sharing this hour in this great saint. Do you have a moment to give us a blessing? 
Oh, may God bless the uh, listeners of this uh, program. May God ha- really help you to have trust in his mercy for you and then become great monuments of mercy for others so that that mercy spreads and that grace spreads and multiplies. And may God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit bless you in this way. Amen. Joseph Radio presents from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. If you would like to join us in our evangelization efforts, you can order a copy of today's broadcast or any of our past programs by visiting us on our website, stjosephradio.net. That's S-A-I-N-T, josephradio.net. Or call us, 636-447-6000. It's all at your fingertips to help us evangelize the world, bringing the good news of Christ to everyone you meet and change one soul at a time. Thank you for your prayers and support. Until next time, may God bless you and your family. This has been a presentation of St. Joseph Radio Presents. All right, so that was uh, a little talk with Father Cashin with the, uh, the, the book is called The Grace of Nothingness. Thank you for joining us. Please tell a friend repost this video, put a like on there, and uh, come back and join us again. Father, thanks so much. Thank you for having me.